Welcome back to the Facts About PACs. I'm Michaela Isler, NABPAC's Executive Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, NABPAC's very own Adam Belmar. And this is episode 102 of the number one PAC podcast in America. Great to be back on the mic for this episode, Michaela. Today, we're talking about Capitol Hill's dirty little secret. (laughs) That's right, Adam. You know, we're just really weeks away from the end of the 117th session of the United States Congress, although... I don't know about you, Adam, but I need a few more weeks before we close this chapter. But the doors remain closed to the public, unfortunately. Yeah, that is sad, but true. Due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, the U.S. Capitol building itself and the Congressional Office buildings remain closed to the public. And so today, we are joined by one of the leaders of the lobbying profession in Washington, D.C., to talk about his campaign for an immediate return to an open-door Congress. Coming up in just a minute, Paul Miller, founding partner of Miller Wenhold Capital Strategies and chairman of the board of directors at the National Institute for Lobbying and Ethics, will join us. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NABPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. Thanks, Adam. And before we bring in Paul Miller, it's time for some NABPAC activities, don't you think? Absolutely, Michaela. You know, we've got a lot still going on here at the tail end of 22. Perhaps the most important thing to flag for folks is that we've got this great networking event. NABPAC and the George Washington University Graduate School of Political Management are hosting a PACs and Congress networking reception. Yeah, we're excited about this. Next week on December 12th, we do have an important networking event. We'll be co-hosting a PACs and Congress networking reception. We'll have members of NAPAC in attendance. We'll have prospective students to the GW GSPM program. I think it's just going to be an opportunity to talk a little bit about this important partnership. Yeah. And pro tip for all of our listeners, if you want to get the early digs on the best interns, this is a great place (laughs) to meet some really smart young people. That's coming up next week, December 12th. Of course, people can find out an RSVP to this on NABPAC Connect. And am I right? Can we say this out loud that the first quarter events, our PAC lunches are starting to roll out into the NABPAC Connect, Michaela? Yeah, so we're, you know, we're very excited. I mean, as the show is talking about the return to in-person and opening back up, I mean, here at NAPAC, we had our return really in May. Folks will remember we actually had David Wasserman kick off our very first return to in-person lunches. But we are coming out of the gate strong, Adam, with a monthly lunch in the first quarter. So definitely go to NAPAC Connect to get registered. More to come on details, speakers, topics, events on that. But just excited to be able to have more than one or two in-person events next year. We're really back full steam ahead. And I'm not trying to claw back to the glory that was the NAPAC post-election conference, but it was a great opportunity to see our leaders in the association and to reconnect with everybody. And that just is a segue to the fact that the application deadline for service on the NAPAC Board of Directors is coming up quick. And we want to encourage everybody, Michaela, get your application in. When's that deadline? Uh, Applications are due uh, on December 21st. And so obviously, the sooner you can get those in, the better. But our hope is to fill a couple of spots that we have open going into the new board term beginning in 2023. So Uh, Lots of excitement when we have new leaders jumping in to roll up their sleeves and and help NAPAC move forward. Joining us now to discuss his 
tireless efforts to see the U.S. Capitol building and congressional office buildings reopen to the public is Paul Miller. Welcome to the Facts About PACs podcast, Paul. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me tonight. I, I really greatly appreciate it. Absolutely, Paul. You know, our listeners remember clearly the events that unfolded in March of 2020. We all do. I know you do. And the way the pandemic impacted them, their families, you know, ability to work. More than two and a half years later, I just think people who don't work on the Hill every day like you do are shocked to learn that the U.S. Capitol building and congressional office buildings remain closed to the public. Why is that? I appreciate you all having doing this podcast to bring some real national attention to this issue. That's the one thing that's been disappointing to me is that more haven't brought more attention to this because, again, kids are back in school. Everybody who wants to work can go back to their offices. It's been deemed safe by the CDC. The president has said, you know, the pandemic's over. Yes, we still have some things lingering to deal with. But the only place in the country that of people that really can't go back to work freely are people in my profession. And, and some in the public might say that's a good thing. I'd argue the opposite, that we serve as the voice for millions of people in this country from every issue out there. And we haven't been able to do that effectively, yet everybody else in the country has been able to go back and do their jobs but us. The fact is, we have been trying from day one to really work with both sides of the aisle to get an explanation as to what the issue is and why these buildings are still closed. Some will tell you it's a health concern effects from COVID. Others will tell you it's safety concerns stemming from January 6th, but nobody can tell you exactly why these buildings are closed. We've contacted the speaker several occasions to just simply say, hey, what is the rationale for keeping the buildings closed so long? And it's been crickets. And, and this, these aren't partisan shots. These are just, we've tried on both sides of the aisle and, and we can't get a, a definitive answer. You know, I worked up on the, the Hill as a journalist about 20 years ago. And I know what it is to roam those hallways, but I don't think that all of our listeners and even some of the folks who are working in the associations and companies that are part of this listenership that aren't in Washington know what it is to try and move around and be a part of Capitol Hill. Take us inside just a second of what it is to walk around up there these days trying to do your job. These days, you don't just walk around. Right now, you've got to call. You know, it's no different. We've always had to have kind of appointments where you say, hey, I'm going to come. You know, can you meet with me at 10 o'clock? And then and, and you set up that appointment and, and you just walk into a building. It's like walking into any store. You know, I go to the go to the office where I need to. I check in, say, hey, this is Paul. I got a 10 o'clock appointment with X, Y, and Z. And, and you have those meetings. Today, I've got a call. They've got to put me on a list. Then I've got to go there. I've got to wait outside. I've got to call them or email them and tell them that I'm here and to come get me. They've got to come in, sign me in, and then walk me to the meeting. And then once I'm done, they've got to walk me out. And if I have a meeting in between, it's like I've got to go back outside and do this process all over again. For the average person, it's very complicated. It's time consuming. And quite frankly, congressional staff aren't babysitters. We're professionals. We should be able to walk around in those buildings like we did in the past. And But yet today we're, we're not able to. So when you get in the building, finally, <laughs> um, you know, what are you hearing from the folks that you're, you've lobbied on this? It differs depending on what side of the aisle you're on. I will say Republicans have been very favorable about reopening. Yes, some of that's politics, but it's also some of it is real and what they believe. There is a growing number of Democrats over the last year and a half who asked, started to ask the questions why. Um, but this really, you know, I, I hate to say this, but this comes down to politics. There is no health or safety reason why those buildings shouldn't be open today. 
one of the reasons why this even has been able to work, or I guess persist, depending on your point of view, is the remote voting in the House. The presumptive incoming Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, says he's going to put an end to that. Just curious what your thoughts are on this issue and its impact on keeping Congress's doors closed. I think one of the frustrating parts of this whole process has been when you look at everybody who's been able to go in those buildings since the pandemic started and, and since January 6th incident occurred, those who do federal, federal contracting and, and do construction in those buildings, and, and they're, they are going through some renovations now, those people all have ID cards. So they've been able to roam in and out of those buildings as they please. The press has an ID card, so they've been able to roam in and out of those buildings from day one uh, as they please without without hesitation. We asked the speaker's office about this, why we don't have those same rights, that we have the same rights as journalists. And we were told, no, that's not right, that they journalists have more um, rights than we do when it comes to that. So that's very frustrating. But the remote voting is interesting because that's why this exists. If you took away remote voting, which I'm understanding the, the, the speaker-elect has told us he is going to do, that issue goes away because members will have to be here doing their jobs. There are not going to, there won't be committee hearings where people are going to testify virtually. They're going to be here. Members won't be able to participate virtually. They'll have to be here, which means there's absolutely no reason that they will have to be able to keep those doors closed going forward. Uh, but remote voting has is, is really been the reason why those doors are closed today, because it's easier to stay home in your district, work out of your house, do other things, and claim that it's a health and safety concern. You don't have to be here doing your job. It impacts those who want to come here for, for their annual fly-ins. Those people, for the last year, even this year, for the last year and a half, people have come here and we're told, hey, we're not meeting with you, but we could set up a Zoom with you. Why are people coming to Washington to, to, to say, hey, I only got a Zoom call with my member when I could actually stay home in the state or the district to do that? They come here for a reason because they want to sit down face to face with staff and their members to talk about issues that are important to them. And the members should at least do that. I mean, these people are spending their own money to come here so that they can be heard. And yet they're being told, once you get to Washington, we're not going to meet with you, but we might do a phone call with you, or we might do a Zoom call with you, where we're not going to even be on camera. And you, you can hear us doing work in the back. Paul, as we wrap up, I did want to ask you for your personal take on how people should be feeling when they visit the U.S. Capitol as a citizen, as a tourist. Do you feel safe up there these days? Should people feel safe coming back and getting up to the Hill, especially in the new year when things are opening up again? Yeah, you know, January 6th was an awful, awful, awful thing that happened in this country. And you know what? We need to hold those responsible for who did that. Um, it was an attack on our democracy. I think everybody agrees that. But you know what? There were some lapses and there's some blame to go around on those. But those buildings are safe. And I will tell any member of Congress and or their staff that you are safer in those federal buildings with security guards or armed guards, armed Capitol Police, than you are back in your district where you don't have the same protections. Well, Paul, I just want to thank you for shining a light on this. You know, I think for folks outside of D.C., I, I got to imagine many folks are not aware that both the Capitol and the congressional buildings remain closed. Really appreciate all of your work to get that reopened and want to thank you for joining us today. I think you might just, if I could just say one last thing, my kids can go to school safely. I can go to church safely. I can go to the grocery store safely. Um, I can go anywhere safely. I just can't go to the U.S. Congress right now. And that, that's unfortunate. Well, thanks, Paul. And thanks to everyone downloading and sharing our show. Subscribe and meet us right back here on the Facts About Packs podcast.